everyone, it's Jeff Anderson from Modern Combat and Survival, and okay, whether you were pro-Trump or against Trump, the fact is, he's our new president. But what does that mean for us fellow survivalists and freedom seekers everywhere for the next four to eight years? Well, I'll give you my top five predictions right now, coming right up. Go ahead and check this out. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director for the New World Patriot Alliance with this week's podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And so this week we're going to go ahead and touch on something that I usually promise that I'll never touch on, and that is actual politics. Now, I'm going to go ahead and make some disclaimers right now before we go ahead and get started, which is, number one, I was not a Trump fan. So spare me the, the hate mail, okay? Spare me the hate mail, um, because I do believe that, it, I do believe in our country, I believe in a political system, I do believe that you know, we, I do believe in democracy. So whether you were for Trump, Trump or whether you were against Trump really doesn't matter anymore, right? And so I don't want to spark any sort of presidential debates on our blog that are going to be offensive to other people. The fact is, is that Donald Trump is our president-elect now. Some people are really excited about that. Other people are really scared about that and probably still in shock. I think everybody was kind of in shock. I can tell you that when I was uh, down at Cabela's looking at guns the, the day of the election, they had already purchased a, uh, a, a truckload of additional AR-15s, and everybody was on standby to come to work the next day because they fully believed that Hillary Clinton was going to be the president and that they were going to sell out of AR-15s within a matter of just a couple of hours. So I don't know if they're sitting on a bunch of ARs that now they can't get rid of. I don't. Maybe there's some great sales going on down at the local gun store, or the Cabela's or Bass Pro. I don't know. So, uh, but there might be an opportunity there for you to take take advantage of it. But the fact is, is that we are going. We have a, a drastically drastic change of direction of where our country is going to be going ideologically over the next four years. We still don't know what that looks like, but I have talked with many people about what they think is going to happen within our industry as well as within our citizens. And so there are some things that I think people need to be aware of, some some warnings that might be there, as well as some things that we can feel better about, and some other things that I think are hidden that people really need to understand. And so what I was going to do is go down five of my predictions for what's coming up. Now, let me say, even though I was not a fan of Donald Trump, that I am giving him a shot, right? Again, I believe in democracy. I believe in the people that are out there. I trust that people are educated enough to make a decision. Uh, we're, we're all in a in a wait and see period, right? Like we'll look, we'll wait and see. This could be the best presidency ever. It could be a complete train wreck. 
we just don't know. People have what they believe in. They, they're, uh, you know, so, so we'll, we'll see. But I, for one, am going to give Donald Trump a, a, a fair shot. I support him as our president. I always have as a soldier, whoever was commander in chief. I always supported, even though I didn't always agree with what the decisions were, I always supported them. So let me go ahead and give you the, the top five things that are kind of on my radar for what's going on, okay? Because I think right now, and this is one of the reasons why I say this, because I think for the most part, conservatives and, you know, libertarians kind of go, you know, one way or the other. And I am more libertarian than anything in my in my belief pattern, but... Some libertarians were were very fond of Trump. I guess it all depends upon what part of of your political persuasion that is is true to you, right? Like I know some people are single issue voters for Second Amendment. In that case, Donald Trump was an obvious best choice, right, over Hillary Clinton. So so everybody has their reasons for why they voted. All right. But there are some things, but I think everybody's in kind of like this honeymoon period now. For those that did support Trump, they feel like everything is great now. We don't have to worry about our government. The right person is in the job. He's going to go in and take a sledgehammer to to Washington, and everything's going to be better now. The economy's going to be better. Immigration's going to be better. We have a better standing in the world. ISIS is going to be decimated. We're going to have a giant wall go up between us and Mexico like, I know some people really believe all that stuff. Um, I don't believe all of that, but we're going to talk about some of that because and just how it pertains to you. All right, so let's just go down some of these. I'm going to save the, the most critical one for last that I, I think, okay? So, so one is, is whether or not economically we're going to be better off, all right? So you know that in our, with, with our look at what those red flags warning are of, of what could cause an actual collapse, an actual change in the way that we live our lives, a a, a Tiatwaki event, you know, at the end of the world as we know it sort of a thing. Well, we've already seen in 2008 what a financial crisis can do to our country. We still haven't fully recovered from it in, in many ways. But one of the things that we talk about when it comes to our bug out bags is that one of those, those looming Red flags are out there is an economic crisis, is a total collapse of our economic system. And so I think a lot of people are looking at Donald Trump as well. He's a great businessman, right? He's a, he's a, he has made millions of dollars. He's made potentially billions of dollars. So people are thinking, well, this is a person who knows business, is going to be able to get things done. So that may or may not be true. We may see more jobs in the country. We may see, I, I know that from our standpoint as a corporation, all the corporations that we know of love it because we're looking at better tax breaks and that money should trickle out into the economy and be better for everybody. Well, we'll see. That probably will be better for us as a corporation and other corporations that are out there. Okay. But here's the thing is that if you look at the debt calculator, that is not going to all of a sudden come to a screeching halt and start going backwards. Okay, we are still a debt-based economy, and I'm not going to get get into the Federal Reserve or any of the other the other tan, tangential economic situations that we that we have as a country. But the fact is, is that we are going to continue to borrow money. We're we have to. We don't have the economy that is allowing us to be able to run you know, just on our own income. So that is not going to change. And at some point, 
at some point that is going to be too overwhelming for us. Now, we already know that in October of last year that we started to see international markets change in a way that was potentially spelling doom for the U.S. dollar over these next one to two years. Okay, There's a lot of things happening behind the scenes, and I'm not a stockbroker, so I can't really speak to a lot of it specifically. But the people that I network with that are economic watchdogs are saying that the time bomb is ticking, and we are looking at an economic crisis no matter who's in office. But the one thing I tell people is like, look, you don't have to understand economics to understand that if you were, you know, if you look at your own finances and you had 12 credit cards that were all maxed out and you were living off of those 12 credit cards because that's what you needed in order just to survive, to be able to buy food, do things like that, take care of home repairs, you're paying off, paying your car note on it, whatever, all that debt that you have. If you were looking at it and saying, well, okay, well, now we're, we've maxed out this 12th card. What we need now is a 13th card. And so we're going to take on a 13th card and we'll just make payments on that. And now we're getting, re things are getting really tight. So we're going to take out a 14th card. Well, eventually, right? Those cards are going to say, wait a minute, you, you're unable to pay us anymore. So we're going to take everything that you own. Well, that is a very basic look at how I look at our economy. You can only amass so much debt. You can only amass so much debt before you basically have no other resources to be able to pay for those things. And we do have things to pay for, right? So eventually that debt is going to become so overwhelming that we are, it, it is going to cause a market crash. Now, there are all sorts of other things that people will talk about that are economic indicators that can cause that same exact thing either sooner or later, but that's generally how I tell people look, to look at the economy, that we, we end up getting a lot of media spin because basically it would freak people out if they really knew you know, that that was a ticking time bomb. So the government obviously doesn't want that, so we don't really get the full story on it, but it's pretty easy to understand from, from that level of it, okay? Okay, the second thing that I'm going to talk about is nuclear proliferation. So this was part of, well, it wasn't really part of the the ongoing talk during the election, but obviously a, a relationship with Vladimir Putin in Russia was a main topic. And who did he really want? Did, was he friends with Donald Trump? Uh, was Donald Trump friends with him? Are we, you know, now apparently we're going to be friends with Vladimir Putin or we're going to give him a chance or whatever it is. And I'm telling you right now, and I, and I wrote a whole article about this, is that you are not – he Vladimir Putin is ex-KGB. He is essentially a hidden dictator, and they are not going to stop their nuclear proliferation. Okay, so they've already called off the the agreement that we've had with them for nuclear disarmament. They've already called that off. And last month in October, they did a, nucle a nationwide nuclear disaster response drill with 40 million people. They are getting all the cobwebs out of all of the nuclear bunkers that they have, and they have entire cities. They can actually put all of the Kremlin and the, the, entire, uh, the entire capital of Russia underground in bunkers. They have basically underground cities that they do. This isn't... This isn't conspiracy stuff. This is all true. They are much better prepared for a nuclear attack than we are as a country. And I think what you're going to, I think what we're going to see now, now I follow defense news 
and I can tell you that practically every day there are nuclear news stories going on about nuclear proliferation, that Russia has a brand new, I say brand new, a relatively new strategic missile, the Satan II, I believe it's called, and there's a lot going on on the nuclear side, and we have a nuclear survival guide, and not many people are picking it up simply because nobody feels like that is an immediate threat. Uh, in our conversation with Joel Skousen, who is a nuclear watchdog, uh, he's one of our podcasts, he said that there is, within the f next five to ten years, and this was a couple years ago, I think, there will be a strategic attack from Russia and China on the United States with a, a small-scale nuclear attack. Their goal isn't to wipe us off the planet. It's just to be able to bring our economy down. And that can be done with a very strategic, very small weapon in one of the targets that are out there. And there are many targets all around the country. Okay, so, so I think we're going to see a ramp up in the nuclear proliferation. I think that I don't believe that, at least in the initial part of it, that Donald Trump is going to be all that hard on on dealing with these other countries. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out. But um, looking at Vladimir Putin as our friend is, would, is a huge mistake. And I said that all the way through the whole thing where people that were anti-Obama were very pro-Putin as he was riding bare-chested bare on horses and everybody was looking at him as a strong leader. And I don't understand why somebody who is a dictator like that and does not have our interest, in fact, is is already showing that they're continuously trying to take us down or threaten us or challenge us. Um, that is not our ally, and I don't think we'll ever be our ally. So anyway, that's my take on where we, we do still need to worry about nuclear proliferation. It is uh, today is actually and not today, today, but uh, we are actually in more danger now than we ever have been of a nuclear attack or a nuclear disaster, and uh, it's just not on anybody's radar. Okay, the uh, the third thing we'll talk about is the Second Amendment. So everybody who is pro-Second Amendment is rejoicing right now because I think it's a pretty much a guarantee. I mean, the NRA loved Donald Trump, and Hillary Clinton has already made statements about potentially following the lead of Australia. So obviously, our Second Amendment rights are in much better standing and much better protected now than under a, a Clinton presidency. So that is, and I do know people that are single-issue voters, and Second Amendment was a big thing for them. So, so everybody can feel safer about our Second Amendment rights and that we'll be able to have the weapons that we want to have and not be limited on them and things like that. We may even see some additional rights being brought back to those areas that were kind of devastated by, or not devastated, but, you know, have, have more limitations on firearms. We might start to see some more pullback on regulations and laws that would allow people to be able to do more, buy more, buy different things and, and, and stuff like that. But I definitely feel much safer about my Second Amendment rights being protected under a Trump presidency. However, as we talk about the the easiest way to have your weapons stripped away from you isn't actually from government intrusion, even if Hillary Clinton was in office. The fastest way for you to, for you to lose your Second Amendment rights is being a dumbass with your weapon. Because if you are convicted of a felony, because you were stupid, if you pulled out your weapon at the wrong time when you were, you were dealing with a criminal, if you shot a warning shot, it could be any stupid little thing that can put you in legal jeopardy when you are 
uh, going and, and and actually using your weapon. So if you're convicted of a felony, then you're not able to own a firearm. So they will be taken away from you. You will not be able to have them. You won't be able to vote in in, in most cases. So you will be limited, and you will have stripped yourself of any firearms that you have. So I think with all of the protests that we're seeing, I think we'll see how the economy goes for the middle class and the poor. But we know that any time that, that the middle class is moved into a poor category or the, the poor are not getting things that they need, like if um, you know people are very dependent on welfare, and if those things are not actually supported, if those are stripped away, we see more devastation in the poor communities. And so, what, I mean, whether you believe in that or not, whether you believe everybody should just buck up and, and you know, too bad, go, you know, go get a job or starve, that might be your, your, that your opinion and that, you know, a lot of people have that opinion. Other people have the opinion that uh, you, you have a welfare-dependent class that's out there and that is just their mindset. And if you don't support those people that really are, you know, just not able to make it on their own, then you end up getting more crime. So it becomes, it becomes kind of a, you know, a catch-22. If you take away those things, the, those support systems, then you have more crime, in which case we have more of a chance of being attacked in a parking lot or in our home or something like that. So regardless where you are, uh, we are we could potentially see higher crime rates, potentially, okay? Now, we'll wait and see how this, this pans out. But we may see more hate crimes out there. We've already seen more hate rhetoric out there during the Trump uh, election, during, during the, uh, this election. So we may see more hate crimes. We may see more division. It's hard to think that we'd be more divided than we already are. But we could be seeing, we could see more division out there. And when you have those polarities kind of clashing, you end up having more outlash, whether it's more protests, more civil unrest, whether it is, uh, you know, if we have another shooting under a Trump presidency and with racist rhetoric that could be floating around out there, civil unrest and protests could become even much more violent than what we've seen in the past. We don't really know, but it's certainly something that you need to be prepared for to be able to protect yourselves during civil unrest. Now, we were actually talking about the Second Amendment, but what I'm saying, what I'm, what I mean by that is that we could see an increase in crime that's possible. If we do, you really need to really make sure that you understand your legal responsibility that you have of when you can use a firearm. And what I find is that even experts that are out there are really clueless when it comes to what it takes to be legally responsible with your firearm. I'm talking about people who have been shooting for years. I'm talking about even instructors, firearms instructors, who don't have even the basic idea of what the legal responsibility is for using a firearm. And that is the fastest way to lose your Second Amendment rights, regardless of who is president. Okay, Okay, we've got uh, two more things to go over here, and I'll save the best one for last. So the next one we'll talk about, number four, is going to be um, active shooters and terrorism. So this was brought up a lot during the election because a lot of people, I mean, obviously the anti-Muslim rhetoric that's out there is is being used uh, within the United States and potentially outside the United, the United States as showing this is what America stands for. This is really what the entire world is looking at. Like, what, who is the this new America? This person that has said all these outrageous things is now the leader of the free world. What does that mean for the world? Well, Obviously, he's been 
Trump has been painted out to be anti-Muslim. And so will that be used for recruiting? Absolutely, I think it will. Uh, will that be used within the United States for unrest among our Muslim citizens? It very well could be. So people are still in shock at this point, and we'll see what actually comes out of all of this. However, I think we can begin, or, or just, I mean, I think even no matter who was president, I think we're going to see more and more attacks on, on the terrorism level. I think life has changed forever. I think that we will never go back to where terrorism isn't a an issue that we all have to deal with. It's just a matter of whether you personally have to deal with it. And as we've seen, that there you can be anywhere and be attacked. Now, we're mostly seeing these types of attacks over in like Afghanistan, where a bomb might go off at a police station or at a marketplace or anything like that. But we can begin to see more of those even here within the United States, which is why I think that taking some sort of active shooter course, understanding uh, the dynamics of an active shooter situation, and if you are an armed citizen, a responsibly armed citizen, knowing what that means from your perspective of either how to escape that or how to engage with that to be able to save yourself, the people that you're with, or other other people around you. So I think that is a part, that is a, a new thing thing that we've had to deal with as armed citizens that is a lot of training that people aren't getting. They're not, they're not getting that kind of information. They're not taking the initiative to understand that that is a threat that you might have to deal with. And it was a, an armed citizen that took out a shooter in a recent incident in the shopping mall. And that was, um, in fact, I believe that that was even like a no-carry zone and somebody that was – I have to check my story on that, but I'm, and I meant to, but somebody knows. Go ahead and leave me a, a comment on the blog. But I believe that that mall was a no-carry zone, and there, there was a, a concealed carry operator who – I say operator – concealed carry citizen who was carrying in a no-carry zone but managed to save people at that time. And I'm a big proponent of – Look, you gotta you gotta make that your own cho choice yourself of where you're going to carry and where you're not going to carry. But I don't I don't like a lot of uh, no no carry zones, no gun zones, because that's where people that want to shoot people up are typically going to go, right? But I do believe we are going to that everybody needs to to get better trained on reacting to active shooter scenarios, bombers, even gas attacks and things like that. You need it's it's a new threat that we have that everybody must be prepared for. And I think that we're going to see continue to see more attacks even here in the US as as time goes on here. Okay, the final the final one that I want to talk with everybody about is probably the most the most critical, I think, because as you know from many of the past podcasts we've done and our articles and our blogs and things like that, is that our freedoms have been infringed upon from the standpoint of our privacy. Everything from spying on our emails, our text messages, our phone calls, our location via GPS, being targeted as conservatives by the U.S. government in as potential lone wolf extremist terrorists. So everything under this terrorism, and as we see an up, as we see more and more attacks and active shooter situations happening, we are go, people are going to look at well, who are our threats? Well, our continued biggest threat internally still tends to be lone wolf domestic terrorists. Now, this can, doesn't have to be Muslim. It can be Christian. It can be anything. It doesn't really matter. Anybody with an, an ideology that makes them want to blow other people up, we've seen that 
over and over again here within the United States. So that is why the government has turned their, their binoculars inward to look for signs of potential lone wolf extremists, enemies of the state, if you will. And so, as we know, we've been spied upon in our own homes, in our emails, in our text messages, in images, on Facebook, online, where we go, what we do, because all of that is fed into the, the massive computers that we have out in Utah to look for little symbols that go up that say, hey, here's a ping, here's a ping, here's a ping. Okay, we've got the right pings that have pinged out here, and so that is a potential threat. We need to look at this person closer. So here's what I, here's what I think is the biggest, I think cognitive dissonance is where most people are, are going to, are, are going to suffer from. And that basically is thinking that everything is just fine, everything is going to be okay, and that's because Donald Trump is in, is in the presidency now, and he's going to clean up Washington. Well, I hate to break this to you folks, but the president has really never had all that much power when it comes to this anyway. No matter what intentions they go into, into office with, there is a system behind the presidency that actually runs all of this. And when it comes to all of the agencies that we have that are looking at this, that's not going to change. We still need to be safe as, as, a, as a country. We are still not going to be trusted to be self-policing when it comes to ourselves as a country, which may, may rightfully be so, but it's a matter of how many of our rights are going to be stepped on in order to find those few people that might be a threat to everyone else. So that means we all suffer. Now, you could arguably say this happened before, you know, long before, but we certainly saw with the Patriot Act with during uh, George Bush's presidency that that was really the start, I think, the, the, the big catapult of everything that we're facing right now. From the standpoint of now, basically, that, that took the regulations off about spying on our own people. Now, you can just be accused of being a, a terrorist and be held indefinitely without a trial because you are an enemy of the state. You are an enemy combatant. You can be held without trial or even without charges indefinitely. So that still has not changed, that we still have people that can be held because of that. We have seen people arrested under those conditions simply for speaking out like on Facebook and uh, being against the government or any of the other warning signs that we talk about that the government is looking at. If you want to find out what those are, you can go and get our free report we've got on the death of freedom. And that is uh, thedeathoffreedom.com is the URL for that. And you can go get that report. And it outlines just all the government, the government documents that specifically state who the biggest threat is. And I guarantee you, as you go down this list, you're going to say, yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. Because we are seen as the ones who are the threat internally. Okay, so, so just because Trump is in there, doesn't mean that that's going to go away. In fact, I I worry that it's going to get even worse. So it got it was it was carried on through the Obama years. Uh, we saw more and more drone attacks overseas, and we are in an industri military industrial complex. And so, what better proving ground for all of our technology than overseas, right? Well, we are seeing that there are licenses for drones for actual government drones here within the United States that can be used. And we are going to continue to see more 
um, armaments and more technology in that area from the standpoint of the government being able to use these types of, I'll call them weapons, domestically for peacekeeping purposes, quote-unquote, or for terrorism purposes or whatever it might be. But nonetheless, we are going to continue to see our freedoms be infringed upon because of the threats that we face internally as a country and potentially even worldwide now. I think we're going to continue to see these problems. Now, if you thought that that things were going to change because Trump is president, let me offer to you some potential warning signs here that that is absolutely ridiculous. So if you look at if you look at what happened during the election and during the Republican primary, uh, basically, Trump just trashed everybody, right? And so what you found was all the other Republican candidates saying, there's no way that I can support a Trump presidency. There's no way that I will support this person. No, I'm not getting on board. Um, this person is a danger, and I will not support him. And so you heard a lot of that, right? You heard it from Chris Christie. You heard it from uh, Ben Carson. You heard it from a lot of people out there, okay? And And on the other side, you had the advocates such as Rudy Giuliani and people like that who were strong supporters, okay? Well, all those people that said that they were not going to support him, that they could not get behind him, well, what's the rhetoric now? Now everybody's behind him, right? Or as they got closer to the election, they became, all of a sudden, they become big Trump supporters. It didn't matter if he, if their wife was, was, um, if their if their wife was insulted by it, it didn't it didn't matter anymore. All of a sudden, the rhetoric was, well, okay, I'm behind him now. All the people that wouldn't be behind him are now behind him. Well, now look at all the cabinet positions that are coming open, and who's coming up for those cabinet positions? Well, Chris Christie was going to be on the transition team. Ben Carson's being looked at for a spot. Rudy Giuliani's being looked at for a spot. Folks, this is a system. This is a system that is out there that runs our country. It is not because there is a president at the top. In fact, with the gloves off now and no checks and balances with a Republican House and Senate and potentially the Supreme Court, we could see things get even more divided and we, there's, really, there's really not a lot really stopping from what can happen from this point out. Okay? So we don't really know, but I can say with, with strong confidence that what you're seeing is the same pay-to-play system that our government has always operated on and probably always will operate on unless we have some sort of revolutionary new um, head of head of government that can somehow go against all the alphabet agencies, the uh, the billionaires that are pumping money into it, the defense contractors. I mean, all the people that really the money runs Washington, and we have one of the richest people right now that is running Washington. So what that's going to mean, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. I'm giving him a chance, but we'll wait and see what that means to everybody. But anyway, I'd like to hear what your take is on what you see as potential threats or things that will be better going forward. But I don't want this to become an offensive um, comment string where, because I, I really, again, remember, for us, the bottom line is that we are all Americans, that we are all citizens, and I even have people from around the world that, that listen to our podcast and, and comment on our blog and everything. And look, the bottom line is we have a new president, and I I hope that he is the be-all, end-all of all presidents. I hope I, I legitimately hope that that's true. We'll see. Uh, we'll all see. None of us really know 
It's all just basically opinion at this point. So I ask that you be respectful on our blog with your comments. We will be monitoring it. And um, so I'm, but I do want to hear what you think are our main threats that we look that we're looking at going forward and what you're doing to prepare. All right. So go ahead and check that out on the blog. I look forward to reading your comments. And until our next podcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.